Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretend World Drill People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I am back from my very long week in Phoenix. Uh, I only shot for uh, essentially like a day and a half or so, counting the actual uh, commercial shoot and then testing and fitting. So the rest of the time I spent just kind of exploring Phoenix through different lift rides and <laughs> riding on the hotel balcony sweating like crazy because I foolishly would drink a hot black coffee in the morning when it's already 90 degrees, but it felt great. I feel like the ideas were literally coming out of my pores, which might be gross, but hey, creatively, it helped out a lot. I uh, <laughs> I outlined the full sort of gamut for a new web series that will be almost a sequel series to one I did before. Different characters, different environment, different story, but I'm super excited about that. Uh, and I had a lot of popsicles, so that was really cool. I hope everybody else had an amazing week. Uh, I'm really gearing up here for our 100th episode. This is our uh, 99th episode. I'm not counting the uh, interviews where you know it was myself and uh, my previous co-host Stephanie uh, on the show doing the interview. You know, it's focused on us. I'm focusing on everybody else that we have spoken to. So. Next week will be the 100th episode. Uh, this week is our 99th, and it's a very special 99th episode because I had a chance to talk with a director, a producer, a writer who uh, has just created these really special projects that I really appreciated over the years, including my friend Dahmer, Human Capital, uh, We Summon the Darkness, which of course I absolutely love, and a uh, romantic drama called All My Life that literally made me cry, which I... <laughs> I, I call him out on uh, during this episode, but I had a chance to speak with Mark Myers. He is a New York-based director primarily and producer. We talk about his upbringing, uh, how he got into the film industry, you know, what his writing process is like, and just his general experience in the industry. It was a really fun chat. I, I just love chatting with people who are behind the lens. I feel like there's a whole new sort of approach to... Uh, their existence in the industry so that was really cool to kind of dive in and hear his story so yeah i'm uh, i'm gonna shut up and we're gonna get right into the episode let's sit down and let's talk with mark myers hi i'm mark myers i'm a screenwriter and director i'm also a husband and a dad and a former high school athlete for what did you play? Um, it was a while ago, <laughs> half a life ago, but um, you know, I used to play soccer, ran track, played tennis, and uh, fortunately, all, all those sports I, I still can play. Um, you know, so any, anyway, that's a, that's I guess that's a side hustle right now, but in the meantime, <laughs> meantime I'm uh, you know trying to stay active and uh and things are going well now yeah. yeah. how are you today i'm doing great man it's uh it's been a busy month or so just with acting stuff i put two weeks into my service job so i'm taking the the chance and trying to see what happens here i i caught that when you say service job do you mean waiting tables or something like that yeah yeah server and bartender so uh two weeks wrapped up on sunday so now I'm just waiting for my my jobs coming up and just just taking the leak, man, and uh, taking the leak, taking the leap, and seeing what also, uh, what happens. Also taking the leak, hopefully. Oh yeah, no, I did that before because I wasn't sure, you know, how long it'd be on for this. So I didn't want right, to be exactly. jittering as I was asking yeah. you. But uh, no, man, Good. just doing great. Um, happy to talk to you. Happy to to hear more about your story. And 
you know what? Let's just well, let's start from phase one, man. What what got you into features? What got you into film? What what was that pivotal moment, if you can recall? You know, when you when you say that, I somehow immediately go back to remembering that when I was graduating college, there was a kid going, oh, I'm going to be a filmmaker. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Like, I wasn't one in college with my eyes set on any of this. I was, you know, just happy to party in college and study well and, and have a, a radio show. But I also in college, now this is talking a long time ago, um, started writing like a, an editorial or opinion column every two weeks. And that was really the beginning of me, I think, experiencing the idea that I could write and express myself and some ideas uh, that weren't to um, hand over to a teacher. It was just to share with random people. And at that point, I started that and in, in, in living in um, England and going to Oxford for a year when I was in college. I think it's when I started to start to think about myself as a, as a, as a, as a writer. Um, so, and, and so graduating college, I wasn't, you know, set on what I'm doing now as the ultimate goal, even though it all to me makes sense. I messed around with a, you know, a home video camera as a kid. Um, and I was always involved in theater. I went to an acting camp for a couple summers when I was in high school um, and all enjoyed all of that stuff. So it all, it all, it all makes sense, but um, it never was sort of a declaration of any kind. So it was, an, it was a natural evolution. And so after college, I started by writing ads and waiting tables, you know, <laughs> and, um, and even my first short film was about a bunch of waiters. I kind of wrote a play that was a one act that I eventually told, turned into a, my first short film it was on 35 millimeter. That was about, three waiters in a restaurant failing restaurant waiting for customers come in came in and coming in and it was sort of like a i viewed it like a waiting for godot kind of thing where just like how these waiters you know hung around waiting for business with a russian hostess and one yugoslavian waiter and two americans that were one's a failed actor and the other one's like a spoiled brat young kid right out of college and how they passed the time you know the short was admittingly probably about 15 minutes too long for what short films are supposed to be for film festivals, but I didn't care. I was figuring out how to make a, a film. And um, then after that, ironically, I had to go get another job. I was in my twenties and, you know, that kind of, you know, took a toll just to sort of not work for a couple of months to try to go make a movie. I had to go make rent again. And I remember, I was like, oh, I got to wait tables again. And I ended up waiting tables at this fancy restaurant across the street from Carnegie Hall in New York where I live. And uh, I had to wear what was ultimately almost the same costume as what I had had the actors wearing in the movie I just, short film I just finished. So, you know, life can imitate art or, <laughs> or art can imitate life because, you know, so you just sort of start with my, you know, adapting your personal experiences into the dramatic form. And I you know, got involved with some theater groups in New York and tried to get away from advertising, which I didn't care for or never paid attention to. So it wasn't like a goal of mine, but it was maybe something I learned about first. And out of writing theater and I found some mentors and I learned to sort of um, 
you know, grow as a writer from trying to keep 10 minutes interesting to a half hour and try to learn, you know, what is a long form play and how to um, create conflict and, and, and create a story on a bare empty stage where all you have is actors and the words that you've provided. And out of that and being involved with a bunch of, you know, different theater groups and collectives, um, keep myself busy that way, ultimately came into making some more short films and um, being around the New York independent film community and learning about uh, how to, you know, take some of the things I've written and then turn them into some shorts. Um, so I didn't, I didn't start making features into, until, you know, several years later, I suppose. But, you know, one step at a time, right? Yeah. It's a journey. It's not the, I didn't come out of film school at 24 because I didn't go to film school, but I didn't come out of film school at a certain young age and make some feature immediately. That wasn't my path, though. That's a good path for some people. That wasn't, that wasn't mine. Well, it's, it's yeah. interesting looking at that journey, especially with you working in advertising. Did you feel like you had a uh, like a leg up, so to speak, in promoting your pitching your theatrical projects? Not at all. No, <laughs> no, no, no leg up. We can't, no, there's, you can always you know, there's always someone else that has another leg up. So there, I, I, don't think, I think it's very naive to feel like anybody has a leg up. You yeah. know, I wasn't um, sure if you had some like marketing. Uh, no, but I. Stuff. No, but you know what does apply is that in advertising, the whole idea is the whole thing is a good idea. Mm. What's the good, what's the good idea? What's the concept? What's the, you know, elevator pitch? And, and that, um, that nugget or kernel of idea that will give something, a, a campaign, an ad campaign, which I only did a few of them. Um, and by the time I saw some of those realized on billboards, I was already past advertising. I remember coming out of a bar with friends and being like, oh, I wrote that. I wrote those billboards that are on the back of those phone kiosks all around New York City. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't where I was anymore. Anyway, is a, is a good concept. And um, that applies. That a, a really good idea is the core of everything. Um, you know, and then just how to how to how to have something that has legs, um, that can you can expand upon, but always constantly reflects back on the central idea is kind of the same way. You know, dramatic a story or screenplay, you know, plays around with um, what's the core idea and what's that theme that you keep coming back to and exploring. And so that's a constant thing I'm always trying to improve upon. And everything I'm working on, and even you know tonight, you know today, it still feels like I'm you know you're always starting from scratch with another new story and and trying to excavate what is you know am I t I'm, am I maximizing what the central idea is? Am I realizing what the the core idea is so that it has legs and it can stand up on its own? Wow, it, I mean, you have a. Uh obviously a really crazy mind you have to, to to be a writer right so when it comes to working in theater like what are the some of the standout differences writing for theater as opposed to writing for something on film for those of my listeners who aren't familiar with it well i you know honestly miss writing plays and if i would i would love to have i feel like the luxury to kind of go do that again and and, and I guess I could, I just haven't 
chosen too because there's things I still want to obviously achieve and don't want to in film but with the play it's just the words it's like what they're saying to each other and the character is ultimately on an empty stage that you can decorate with a backdrop of whatever that location may be but how do you um but there are things that are unique to theater and every art form as I remember learning from a mentor you know he drilled like what is unique to theater excuse me that you can't do in any other medium and that's what you try to lean into a little bit when i say that i think of you know just how extraordinary the work of arthur obviously of arthur miller is but it's like you could do these incredible meaningful stories on a bare empty stage with actors that move in time and flashback and in different non-chronological forms and by the end of it you're leaning forward as an audience member with your head in your hands just being broken down as a human being over what he's saying to you on stage i don't think movies often get to that point it's a different thing altogether theater you know you lean in you want to hear more what they're saying what are they going to say next in a movie it's a little bit closer to trying to create a dream I think, and that's why on some level, you know, there's comfy seats in the multiplexes and you lean back so that you're in a sort of more of a dream scenario. So it's a little less um, of an intellectual exploration to try to create some adventure or spectacle. Um, you know, that I guess that's some partial explanation of what the differences are. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've never written for theater, so that was really just unique to hear because I can think back on a plethora of like plays I've seen where, yeah, I've, I have this emotional response to somebody who's five feet away, but then I could have the best actor on film saying the same words. And it's like, oh, well, that was like good for that. They did good, but I didn't feel anything, you know? Yeah, yeah the forms are the forms are different. Yeah. They affect you differently. Um, you know, considering that I started writing theater, I still once in a while wonder... Um, why I'm not writing screenplays that are more two-handers around a house. But I think in part of it, because if it was a stage, I could pull that off. Like I love the work of Chekhov and almost like my first film Harvest was kind of Chekhovian in nature. It was a family around a house over the course of a summer. Um, stars Robert Loggia, Barbara Berry, a bunch of other actors it's available, you know, to download wherever, iTunes or whatever. But um, I did. I don't. I didn't stay in that sort of. I don't write things that are around such stationary, permanent places so much. And I think it's because when I think about cinema and I want to sit down and try to write something, that to me is not as unique to the form as a movie that can move around in in space and time in a much more fluid way. Um, and so I'm always compelled to kind of. Exp explore that the challenge then is that you could write something and it's too ambitious and you gotta you gotta chip away at what is possible because of budgetary limitations on either an indie small or large or something larger there's always you know money that's kind of controlling the size shape of your imagination 
I mean, you could write something akin to, to marriage story, you know, or <laughs> if you're, if you're thinking to do it, do you have something in, uh, in the works? But, you know, even, the, but that's, that's an extraordinary movie that does move around a lot. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not, it, it does go through many locations and even as New York and Los Angeles with extraordinary performances, it's, it, it is great cinema. Um, then there's other things are just like, three people at a house over the course of a summer, which is closer to being a play. Um, I just haven't in a while written something like, like that, because I guess I think the form of cinema, you know, it's fun to move the camera around various locations and keep the roller coaster going as a director and a screenwriter and have a journey per se. That's not, um, there, there's always a journey going on. And so in a play, I guess it's pretty much an emotional journey that someone's going through, obviously. And in, in cinema, it could also be just a physical you know, road trip yeah. or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, I do want to cover, you know, your transition into, you know, the feature world. Uh, I really want to pivot towards my friend Dahmer, which you, you also wrote the script for, right? Like how long were you involved with that before That's you ended a- up making it? Um, I, well, it was a lot of synergy of things that came together in, in, in obviously a beautiful way. Um, I had already made, I should just add or preface everything that my, my wife is also my producing partner and my most consistent collaborator. And we share and overlap, a shared aesthetic on what we really respond to in regards to what feels authentic or the kind of stories we want to tell. And part of that over time is that when, when we both get excited about an idea, it somehow validates that idea. And when it doesn't stick, it has to marinate for a little while before we find what we both believe in it or we move on to something else. So in, 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 in my friend Dahmer, that was the that was the realization of two things. Out of making this other indie called Harvest, which was semi-autobiographical, um, I then remember saying to Jody that I think a movie about a boy who realizes that he's a serial killer would be a good concept or a core idea for an independent film. And, and I was like, I could take James Joyce's portrait of an artist as a young man being an English major in college and look at how that was structured as maybe a guide and that was just an idea and then the other thing that was happening around the same time is we felt that we are not and especially then more than now we're not really big followers or fans of like superhero movies that wasn't what we were always itching to go watch but there's graphic novels out there that was extraordinary storytelling and so I had gone by happenstance to the Comic-Con in like 2011 or something like that. And um, walked around, I was about to shoot a commercial and there was this, uh, this filmmaking expo of cameras and stuff that was finishing up. But upstairs was the first day of Comic-Con New York, which I had not really tracked. And so I decided to stick around and walk around and I was looking and talking to all the publishers of graphic novels and one publisher, this woman who was sitting behind the desk, she was pregnant and I explained who I was and I was looking for any new stories that they may have. And she pulled out a, um, and I may have it on my 
shelf somewhere, but an early advanced pre-printed copy of my friend Dahmer and said, well, this is something we're excited about. That's getting, you know, we're, we're sharing with a few people that will come out next year. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This is a naturalistic graphic novel. That is a portrait of a serial killer's young boy, but it's a real serial killer. I don't even have to make this thing up. This is even better. So I went home that night, immediately read it. I was like, Jody, this is, this is the thing we've been talking about. And, um, reached out to the author and we connected and he kind of said he remembered kind of my name from when I, I, he's from Cleveland area. And I had won uh, my previous movie. I'd like won that festival. And so it wasn't like I wasn't too random and he could tell that I wasn't someone that was going to exploit the Dahmer story and just turn it into some like slasher thing around high school with like a, and, and make a cartoon kind of version of it. Because we were then, you know, approached by various producers. So that's exactly what they thought should happen to this book that we now had the rights to. But we, you know, stuck to it. And ultimately, I wrote various drafts and aligned with an old friend who's a manager in L.A. Um, by the name of Adam Goldworm. And we developed the story and refined it. The script ultimately got on the uh, blacklist where that was sort of accelerated the interest in what I think people are like, oh no, not another serial killer story. I'm like, oh really? I don't think we'll ever get exhausted by these things. But if you somehow feel like this is one too many, I will go find some other people to collaborate with. And ultimately we did find some people that really had a lot of faith in us and in me as a director and wasn't about finding other people um, to direct it, but it was just gonna, it was, Jody and I knew this was something that I was meant to direct. And as I, made the adaptation and then researched it further by visiting the real Dahmer house and going to Ohio and, and talking uh, fairly frequently with the author who was very respectful of the separation between his book and the need to make a, a movie that was both honoring his story, but wasn't necessarily just a book report. You know, I had to dramatize it. Um, that uh, in the end we, I, you know, I realized there were so many things about myself that I could relate to in, in this character that was a future serial killer. I was like, oh, I grew up in a bucolic, you know, countryside suburb of New York and wandered around the woods with my friends. And, you know, it was a beautiful place to live. And, and uh, I didn't necessarily collect roadkill, but you know, that was what was interesting to me is like, oh, I built a fort in the woods. So did this kid. He just dissected roadkill on his. I brought playboys in mine, you know, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was as a kid. You know, it was just like I, I knew what it was like to grow up kind of quietly in the suburbs, have a few friends that you'd get on your BMX bike to go jump, you know, jump on a bike and go down the street to go hang out with them. And I could relate to that. And it was a fun way to find a way in to someone else. And that also, I think, is what gave it um, a core humanity to it, is that he wasn't an other. That was, he, he could be one of our friends. And I remember that in high school, too. You always kind of saw people that you, you know, kids that you hung out with, but you knew they were a little weird. And it was just for your own amusement. You missed the signs as a kid. and. Um, his story was in the 70s and I was in high school and 
in the in the eighties, in the late eighties, nineties, and you know there was no internet really yet. You were just kind of out there with your devices, hanging out, trying to stay busy, and boredom was part of what life was. Um, so with all those things, I went in. We you know got all the pieces together, and some extraordinary young actors came forward that felt they were perfect for the roles and. Um, like Alex Wolf and Ross Lynch and and Anne Hache was just the perfect fit for her to play the mom. And uh, I really leaned into making sure that we filmed it in Ohio. And that's why I was able to shoot it actually at Dahmer's real house where he grew up, filmed it in his bedroom, in his living room, in the front yard, in the driveway, around the surrounding area. We went to a lot of, a lot of you know, real locations to make it as authentic as possible. And I'm really happy, obviously, with how it came out and how it continues to just play, still plays. It's incredible. It's it's really interesting how it sticks around that like that. Yeah, I, I think it's a film that's going to have legs for decades. You know, it's just it's, like you Good. said, it's not this cartoonish slasher version of a, a, a biopic, so to speak. There's a a realism to it there's a grandness and there's yeah there's moments where i was watching it going oh i knew that kid like that that kid is my friend holy shit <laughs> right well you know a, a central idea or a clue about that that was in the book was that when the news ultimately broke for the author and his friends that he, their high school friend was just caught as a serial killer now they're all in their 20s at the time when the news breaks and when someone asked him, who do you think it is? Or his wife called him to update him from a newsroom, like a newspaper. Guess, guess what happened? They just arrested someone in your town. He guessed another kid from high school. Meaning his first idea, who's the fucked up kid that's now became a serial killer, was not Dahmer. Oh, my God. So, so that, that just shows you, you don't really know someone. And the kid that you're riding in the car with who's kind of your buddy that makes you laugh. You may punch him in the side because he's kind of like the kid you'd like to beat up on or tease and see, he seems to like that. Um, those qualities um, weren't, weren't the clues that made them realize, oh, this kid's going to be a future serial killer. I look mm -hmm. back at those days, you know, he doesn't look, he doesn't look back at those days and go like everything about what they did in high school now has a different perspective is what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really curious, after doing that movie, did you have to sit down and write or work on a few different things as fillers to try and get your mind sort of refreshed for the next thing? Or did you already have something planned right after that, that you're going to go ahead and do? Well, I had done a movie prior to that called How He Fell in Love, which mm -hmm. is a extramarital affair story set in New York. And so when we were finishing that, up and I was in post is when my friend Donald the script got on the blacklist and then we started to focus on that and then that takes a lot of energy and then we you know premiere that at Toronto no 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 not Toronto Tribeca in New York and then watched these invitations to other international festivals and around the country sort of come come in I was able to sort of experience a part of the sort of festival you know journey that was at a, a higher level than I had before and I was and, and the amount of it and I was really enjoying that so I didn't I might have filled some time writing a few things that I was sketching out but I was also just happy to ride and support this movie for 
a few months afterwards. And the things that I did write afterwards aren't things I've turned into film since. Because I, for whatever reason, because I did these two movies kind of back to back and Dahmer was the response to a previous movie going, what are you going to do next? I was like, oh, it's Dahmer. Um, I had come to a point where I was like, you know, I would really like to go again and direct fairly quickly. Rather than wait for me to realize a script, I hope there's some other scripts already out there where I could jump on as a director and tell sort of someone else's story that they've been championing for longer. And fortunately, that that plan really came together. I I read a bunch of scripts and fell in love with a few. And all all three of them that I really fell in love with, I was greenlit in one way or the other as an indie or as a studio movie where I was able to do that. So I just kept going as a director and really working on my craft that way. I think you also become a better screenwriter by getting in the edit room. So fortunately, I got in the edit room a few times back to back to back to back. Um, And, uh, you know, that's my roundabout long answer to the fact that, (laughs) no, I I didn't necessarily (laughs) immediately jump on my own story next because that was in itself a sort of response to a previous writer director you know gig yeah i mean do you you have a few things that you want to do you know in the next few years because the last thing you did was uh all my life right that was yeah uh, a year ago um it was yeah it came out it came it might have been on hbo after its theatrical run about a year ago okay yeah yeah Yeah. Um, i mean what is time during COVID? it's weird right (laughs) exactly but right yeah, I've been. I mean, it's been a it's been a blessing in 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 many regards that I was able to sort of spend more time at home without a suitcase packed in the corner, not living um, somewhere else for a couple months, making a movie, which were all extraordinary experiences. To just sit back and go, okay, what are what are some of the next stories that I would like to tell? In addition, hopefully, finding some written by other people um, that I can step into and really believe in. Uh, the ones that I want to work on myself that I've written, I, I was, I've, it's been a very productive time um, over the last, you know, year plus in regards to really developing a couple of stories that had been hanging out there and I didn't have the time focus or quiet, you know, place in life to, to sit down and, and, and put those things on paper. Fortunately, that's, you know, all sort of, sort of ha- started to happen or, you know, I've written them. So. <laughs> you know, yeah, Sorry, I, lo- I love yeah, letting I, it linger for a little bit, <laughs> right? And, you know, the, a listener doesn't see that I just ended that with a shrug. You know, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, man. I, uh, <laughs> but when you when it comes to writing, man, I mean, do you do you enjoy writing in your office, or do you like to kind of fan out, go to different coffee shops, go to a park? Like every writer has a different process. Where do you typically like to write? Um, it depends on what stage I'm at. I guess, and I have no rules. I guess it's kind of a response to my mood. I haven't done as much this spring or summer spring as I did the previous one where I used to pack my bag and go find a quiet tree with like a folding chair that I could put in my backpack and my laptop and sit under it in the Prospect Park under a tree and work for a few hours that that way and wrap it up at four o'clock and come home in time to like meet up with my family. This year I've spent a little bit more time just sitting at my desk to do that, that stuff. 
or then a little bit more active with, you know, going for a ride or a run in the morning. So I plop down a little bit later in the morning and work on stuff. So it, it really changes. I don't like working too much at a coffee shop because I feel like, oh, I got to behave properly because people are around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you're in your office, you can kind of like move around and yeah. pretend to be a character or say some weird shit, and figure it out. And you just not. But then to spend so much time in your in your own office when there's when the weather is beautiful outside, it almost feels like you've you've missed out on an opportunity. So I was I was enjoying, you know, uh working on stuff in the shade of a tree. Um changes. Yeah. Well, I can yeah. I I'm so thankful to hear that I'm not alone when it comes to like getting up and you're going over the dialogue and you're, you know, you're saying it as the character. Cause I've had a couple of knocks on my door my girlfriend's asked me who are you talking to nobody just this is normal you're, you're also an actor so it makes sense you're saying that shit out loud like i i i, I, I what a horrible grammar right there but i'm not um <laughs> i'm not acting my stuff out so much as as i might just be like oh fuck that's a great idea you know that just seems like a good i give like a fist bump or something through the air and then i jump back on my laptop and i and I may be sober, I may be stoned. It doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as it's as long as I the mean, work's all, getting done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, with COVID, with COVID, like all rules are off. Oh yeah, like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I told you before, I'm a I'm a huge fan of you know my friend Dahmer. I'm also just a massive fan of We Summon the Darkness. So I, I yeah. won't go too crazy into like asking you so much about that movie, but. Uh, I guess I just want to ask sure. you, like, how that how that came to be? Because I talked to Alan last week, and we had a great oh, conversation. Did? Yeah, he says hi, by the way. Uh, oh, good. I, 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 hopefully, we'll see him soon when I'm in LA in a few yeah. weeks. But I, um, I always te- we always text back and forth. Oh, did you do a did you do a podcast with him too? I or did. Just yeah, awesome. Yeah, he, uh, he got yeah. back to me first, man. So you know, he came. He came. Uh, in. That's fine. <laughs> Well, his is probably like a two episode, four hour. Oh yeah, talk. yeah, oh, he can go. Honestly, <laughs> like it'd be fun to have both you guys on at the same time because I told him like I could talk to you for hours, but I'm gonna cap it at an hour just so I can get more material later. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I think Treza and Christian Armagodian. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name correctly. That would. Christian, whatever the producer, he's yeah. a great dude. I think they had suggested to their other producing partners, "Hey, how about the my friend Dahmer guy?" And they sent it to me. And when I read it, uh, I was like, "I think this is pretty funny, but this is like more slasher and more genre than I ever done before." And because I'm, you know, like playwright and like character driven stuff, you know, my friend Dahmer was my first foray into something that was even considered genre, and made me really fall in love with that community. If people of film festivals made me realize uh, just out of out of doing it how how great it is to make a film in the in this sort of genre space and how supportive the community can be um how much better a movie can be by playing into those things rather than just a bunch of character you know actors you know sharing their emotions in a in a you know in a in a small indie and so when I read this, I was like, wow, this is going to push me in a whole other level. So on, on a filmmaking, from a filmmaking director standpoint, I felt that my friend, uh, 
my friend Dahmer ended at a certain point and we some of the darkness was a continuation in some thread of really leaning into blood, gore, um, you know, humor mixed with, you know, good characters in a in a very contained kind of place. And I I, you know, had the opportunity to work with um visual effects and stunts. Um and there's nothing better than doing a movie with three beautiful actresses at the core of it. You know, that's what cinema, I think, on some level is meant for. And here was that on top of a great idea, uh, thanks to Treza, and the fact that um, I remember this era and being scared of the heavy metal kids in high school. And here was something, but then realizing, oh, I was listening to a lot of the same music. It just, I didn't walk around like I wanted to kick everybody's ass in, ass in like a Judas Priest t-shirt. <laughs> um, and I got to go make a movie and, and with all of these things going on and really lead into this weird 80s subculture. Um, and then on top of it, I remember mentioning to the music supervisor on my friend Dahmer, who was a friend of one of the producers, the music supervisor's name is Jonathan Leahy. And I remember we were having a, a, a coffee in New York and he made a remark that, you know, cause I told him about this project and, you know, hoping it comes, comes together. And he had said that on some study of music that people that listen to all kinds of music, listen to a, like Spotify might've done the study but they listen to a variety. Like, so if you like classical music, you might also listen to a little bit of pop, a little bit of classic rock, some jazz. Same thing would go for someone who listens to rock and roll. They might listen to some pop and some other forms of things. But when it comes to people who listen to heavy metal music, they only listen to heavy metal. <laughs> like that's, the, that's, I was like, that is a finite group of people that you, that could be the first fans of this thing. So, I just felt like for so many reasons, the space was really cool. And then I was so fortunate that it came together with a bunch of really ambitious, hungry producers. We all wanted to make this thing. And these actresses came and met us at the Winnipeg, which is actually a great city. And we had a lot of fun shooting that in 16 days. <laughs> it was crazy. 16 days? Yeah, yeah that was probably the, the craziest God. 16 days of my life because we were what was originally going to be done in like 22 days somehow became 20 before I got on the plane there. It was now 18. It was during pre-production. It was seven, 18 to 17. And then another producer looked at the financing. He was like, we guys, we got to cut a day. And it, we figured it all out. It was and, insane. And it came out fucking great. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, these, oh. and Amy Forsyth, Maddie Hassan, Alexander Daddario, they're, they've done so many great things since and before that the, the fact that they all came together and became good friends out of it um, just makes me so happy. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they absolutely crushed it. I think Amy was somebody I, I caught on to with Hellfest. And I was like, There's, she's like the next uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, like that's of that caliber sort of performance. But yeah and Alexander Dario holy shit she was in Coda like Amy was in yeah Coda, yeah right? and and a lot of and you know Alex is in 
White Lotus and so many other things. And Maddie Hassan just did a movie with Machine Gun Kelly that I saw recently. Um, she, she's, she's incredible. Maddie oh, God, is yeah. um, um, just extraordinary. They all yeah. are. And then Logan Miller, I met first when he auditioned <laughs> for my friend Dahmer, a huge fan of him. I hope to work with that, him as well again. Whoa. Johnny Knoxville was a blessing that he was willing to jump on and join the craziness. We shot all of his scenes in one day. Um, <laughs> Austin, Austin um, Swift, he, he, he's great. I'm not going to tell anyone who hasn't seen the movie what happens to him. <laughs> um, but he's, he's a great front man. <laughs> You know, it, it Keenan Johnson, you know, it's just it, it was a fun gr- group of young actors yeah. with the support of a, 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 a really enthused crew. And it was fun to dress up and, you know, be in a heavy metal world. Oh, I bet, man. I mean, you could feel it while watching the movie, like how much fun you guys had making that. And yeah. I uh, mean, <laughs> sometimes not, but that's, movies, yeah. You know. I mean, 16 yeah. days, I, I can only imagine how crazy you were going, but uh, that's that's a crazy short shoot. And then I uh, I watched all my life uh, on on date night, and I thought like oh, I'm pretty impervious to you know rom coms or or dramedies. And I'm sitting there, just a tear going down. I'm just whispering like "fuck you, dude." <laughs> I'm crying so hard right now. Um, it Good. is. Uh, I, it, I I think it made a lot of men cry. It did, dude. It it, it absolutely did, and. It just goes to show, like, yeah, the performances are great, but how much you've really expanded as a director as well. I'm really excited to see where else you go. I mean, what are you doing after all my life? Do you have something else that you're working on right now as far as, like, films go? Or what's yeah, what's coming up sure. next for you? For sure. I mean, I honestly, I'm a little reluctant to always go, well, this is the next thing and, and, and put it down because things things change or you don't like a timestamp until you're actually on set. And then you're like, all right, this <laughs> This is now fucking real, you know. (laughs) But um, yeah, I've written something that I think is probably the best thing I've ever written. It's really very frighteningly, horrifyingly relevant. It's based on a historical event Mm -hmm. from the past, but it's oddly echoes kind of uh, the world we live in, kind of now. it's an ensemble piece, which in this day and age is a little challenging because you can't hang a movie on like one or two actors, but you're asking, you know, an ensemble to kind of come together and they all may have 20 to 30 pages of the script that are there in the forefront of, but it's not, you know, it's not a, a two-hander or leading man, leading lady sort of thing. That, so to, without sort of being avoiding and sort of giving away the title, it's, that's, that I'm very excited and Jody and I are very uh, passionate about making sure that that um, moves forward and gets made hopefully next summer. Um, but then, you know, cause of COVID I was able to finally watch a lot more TV than I ever did before. And as so many other, you know, writers and, and directors see how there's almost a little bit more freedom to really tell some great grounded stories on TV. I did spend some time, focusing on a couple things in that space too excuse me and um and i'm you know i'm working on something now that's a little bit more in the sci-fi world space i haven't i haven't found a script yet written by anyone else that um i could align with 
but I, I, you know, you listen to podcasts and read, I've read a few books from some futurists. So I've just started to sketch out um, something in, in that space too. Cause I, because if I was to just sit in the same um, kind of genre the, over and over again with a new concept, but the same kind of thing that, mm-hmm. that just to me doesn't, that isn't the way I, I operate. So I, there's also a kid's book that I, um, that we have that I've developed with Jody and I have developed with another producer that we're about to go pitch um, a take on that um, sort of a Spielbergian story, you know, a hero's sort of journey with a young um, middle school kid at the core of it um, that may or may not be an alien. So, <laughs> oh my I, God. It, so, so it, you know, it, it kind of moves around and I'm always hoping and looking for other things, but um, it's almost like where the story is set in time and place to me doesn't matter as much and is more fun if it's not something I've been living myself um, and I can go on that journey as long as I can connect to those main characters. And um, so I, I, I like to try to find stories that are in different shapes and sizes that allow me to go do that. Yeah. You know, I, to go shoot something again in New York City, if the opportunity arose in a great story, I'd be thrilled with, but it's a real pain in the ass filming in New York unless you have a lot of money. So it is fun to go to another city and live and make something. That was, you know, all my life, for example, we all made a movie together and we're all the way making a movie in New Orleans, which is probably one of the best places to make a film as long as a hurricane doesn't come through, you know, which didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, so it changes. And, and, but uh, I am kind of reluctant to be like this is the title of that one i don't even put them i don't even put them on imdb in advance that's maybe my own uh hang up where so many other people are so self-promoting all the time i'd rather uh you know kind of keep it behind the curtain a little bit until kind of a few things um you know until you're like shooting it yeah, well, I'm right there yeah. with you. Uh, just seeing the amount of projects you can bring up on a director's IMDb that are in development or, you know, have been saying they're in development for 10, 15 years. It's, you know, it's a little disappointing when you're really excited for an adaptation or a movie, but I'm, uh, I'm pumped to see what you do next, man. Like, uh, I'm you. super excited, whether it's the, the sci-fi, the, the kids book adaptation, or several others that are not titled or mentioned that I know will get me at <laughs> right. some point. Yeah. I sketched some, I wrote, I wrote something that was um, in the racing space. No I had sure. some time to, and it was funny now because I feel like with the Formula One reality show on Netflix and Brad Pitt's doing a, a Formula One film and there's a few others that r- racing is kind of bubbling up as a, as, as an, um, there's a lot to explore there. And so there's a, there's a story of a few hot rodders from the sixties that I learned about that I think was pretty extraordinary. So I do, I do like true stories and was leaning into that. And then I started to fear that maybe that's a little bit of a crutch and it's okay to sort of create something from scratch. That's purely narrative. And that's where I think sort of 
trying to spend a little bit of the time now sketching out something new that's like a futuristic kind of thing can get me away from what's another true story out there because yeah. um i was really leaning into that for a while for a while um you know it, it, it's always changing i yeah. suppose yeah well and uh I'm, I'm really curious to see what your answer is for this but given your track record, your experience, I love asking guests about a party story they have, you know, something that doesn't take place at a party, but, you know, something that occurred during your career, during your life that was so impactful, you can remember every single moment of it that you would be able to tell at a party. Do you have anything you can recall that is a sort of akin to that, like an experience you really remember? You mean, well, Tom's experiences, but you, you mean to say something happened to me at a party? No, no, no. Uh, just something that you would tell at a party, like a story you would tell at a party if you're gathering around with, uh, you know, if you're sitting down with Spielberg and Coppola and you guys are just, you know, shooting the shit and you have an experience that, you know, you could remember every single moment of, like that kind of story. Oh, God, I would love to sit down with two of my heroes like that. <laughs> at some point during COVID, there was some gathering where hosted by Francis Ford Coppola. He like did a Zoom with a bunch of people. I was I was on it and and just listening to him speak about his career was extraordinary. There was something that he said that has really stuck with me, which is maybe more valuable than a a, a random like party story, because I don't know why I'm just thinking about like all the times that we try to pour do keg stands and pour in college or pour beer from the balcony into a friend's mouth or something like that. So when you say party story, I think about those things. But um, in all seriousness, and when it came to Coppola, he did say something where he think he, whenever he does a movie, he put thinks of the theme as a one word theme. So with everything going on, he always knows there's one word that he can turn back to so you know i feel like with godfather is loyalty with um i don't remember what he said the theme was for the conversation but it's this idea that i think i've taken because you always take tidbits from various people which is like what's the one word thing like on this kid story that i've developed it's based on a book and it's um you know it's belonging it's just a kid trying to figure out where he belongs and like you can always come back to this one word theme. And, and so if I was having dinner with Coppola, I'd be like, dude, thanks for that tip. I really appreciate <laughs> it. And thanks for like making all of my favorite films between those guys. I mean, I've really come with Spielberg to really, really appreciate how extraordinary he is again. You know, that I mean, just to look at everything he's done and how everything's so masterful. Um, and rewatchable i just feel like that's the pinnacle yeah uh, you know right there is what he does he also if you really look at he shoots stuff like an independent filmmaker at times where he 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 shoots scenes with one or two angles you know there's a lot of oneers and sometimes you have to do that in an indie indie you have to go what's the core drama of this moment i only have time to shoot the scene in maybe two setups so I got to do in this one and what's something I can cut away to and then come back to this one. How do I move the characters through this space so that it's always, you know, new. 
um, that your eye doesn't get bored, that you're always looking for what, what's around the corner, what's right beyond the frame, where's this character taking me? And uh, watching his stuff, he's he just always reminded of what's possible and, and, and um, so visceral in, in, in how he's telling those stories. So, you know, I, to start to watch some of those movies, starting with E.T. with my daughter, is fun to, to revisit them with a little more experience as a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. It was that uh, the Spielberg film you wanted to show your kids. Was it E.T.? Or is there one that you haven't yet e. been E.T. E. E. was the first one because I think it's a little too early. She's in elementary school. It's a little too early to uh, <laughs> show her you know, <laughs> Hitler's list. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, uh, no, nah, I, I wouldn't do that. But uh, I'm reading Mouse right now. Mm -hmm. The You know, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. It, I thought it... I have to have to put it down and, and revisit it because I, I can just take a chapter and then I was like, oh, I want to really think about that chapter before I read another one. It's yeah. extraordinary. And I mean, anyway, that's that's just a tangent. No, yeah. it's a good tangent, man. I, I think it's, I, it's, I haven't read uh, it yet, but everybody I've talked to, they've said the same thing. It's like you need to let it sit with you for every like chapter or selection of pages you read. Just let it sit and then go back to it. Uh, yeah. But that was a, a really good segue into one of the last questions I have. And it's if you have anything you could bestow upon the listeners of this podcast, because <laughs> we, I know I got like five minutes left with you, but um, yeah, if uh, <laughs> you're, you're good, we can keep going. Um, if you want, I'm, I'm, I'm chill. I'm going to cut out that little comment there, but I'm happy to riff with you for a little bit. You know, guys, he's directing uh, me to, uh, I could I wanna... keep going or hurry the hell up. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, I want to see if I can go one more minute than Alan Trezza. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll get it. We'll get it for sure. No, because I mean, this question is something that people really <laughs> like to sort of think about. Uh, I think Alan took a, took a little bit to think about it too, but the idea of bestowing your own wisdom or something you carry with you onto other arts workers, whether they're starting out right now, or they've been in it for, you know, 10 plus years, and they're just trying to keep going. Do you have anything you can sort of pass on to them? that they could hang on to for uh for advice well i've said nothing of relevance yet so <laughs> i might as well start now um <laughs> uh i i i you know you gotta just believe in yourself and when you go to thanksgiving those relatives don't understand what you're doing you gotta just ignore them <laughs> because like they're <laughs> they everyone everyone everyone's going to sort of apply their own neuroses and fears to whatever you're doing and so you got to just learn the craft as best as possible stay the course and hopefully you don't end up living in a van down by the river <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like learn the craft. And one thing that I'm trying to imply more to like everything in life, um, you know, I've taken up climbing a little bit lately and going to the bouldering gym. And um, in addition to like cycling and 
running and, and swimming and things and it applies the same core things apply to like just art and stuff which is stay loose and relaxed and stay balanced and and like kind of allow your your body your mind to like move through the things so like learn the craft but it's the you know it's like the ride the i, I don't surf i'd like to learn it but it's like you gotta find a wave and catch catch a wave and know where the wave is so you can catch it these you know and so but just find some mentors um those are random tidbits <laughs> that i can that i can throw at you and just hopefully you don't end up living in a van down by the road <laughs> you know not once yeah. has he ever been mentioned chris farley's motivational speaker on this podcast I mean, I- <laughs> Good, good. You know, like he, sh- he should be invoked more often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's going to be stuck in my head all day now because I, I have a weird brain. So I remember so much from my childhood and most of it is SNL skits. So that yeah. it's just and now it's an amalgamation of different Chris Farley bits. But no, man, those are those are all great pieces of advice, especially the idea of staying loose and, and relaxing and staying balanced. I feel like, you know, not even the uh, just the actors in this industry it could be screenwriters, directors, producers, everyone can get so wound up because they look at it as so much is on the line, but staying loose and relaxing, even if it's just internally helps you just go further, even based on my experience helps you move forward even more. So without distraction or without, uh, you know, having a, a bad interaction with somebody because you're paranoid about how your day is going, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I think that one of the big, devils out there is ego Mm. i i i have found that um on a set you know i try to keep mine in check you try to i try i i think i can pride myself on being a very collaborative director with appreciating the hard work of everyone around me from a dolly grip to obviously an actor or to a set dresser and, and 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 they're they're not there to serve you, but we're all collectively working like a beehive to kind of serve a, a larger thing. Um, I just happen to be the director who's got some dream in my head that I'm going to try to inspire everybody else to sort of contribute to. Um, and, 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 but when I, when, when somehow a moment of ego or, or someone trying to kind of make it about them, that, that, that freezes up people around them. It paralyzes the sort of collective process. And that, that can happen at any, at, at any point in, in both filming or in post-production. And, and, um, and, it, and so much of this is about listening. And, and it's something that I, you know, we all have to constantly be working on as, as collaborators because it is not a solitary beyond the screenwriting thing, but even that is really not a solitary thing because you're writing it for an audience. So you got to test it on people, but everything you're doing is a hugely collaborative effort um, for an audience because then you're trying to share it with strangers. So everything's about sharing it with people you do not really have a history with. And when ego pops in, um, for, and, and, and for any of us, um, it really can kind of like st- stop the flow and um and or sour or sour the moment you know yeah um 
that so I guess that's a little little tidbit if you're not already living in a van down by the river. If you're there, <laughs> this might get you out. <laughs> maybe this will get you out. Well, I, I didn't get a chance to, to ask you this, and it's always something that's really good to bring up, is what helps you decompress? I know you said you've been uh, climbing, you've been bouldering, you like to go out and sit in the park when you write, but what's something just that just helps you I'm thrilled that somehow I was able to mention the fact that at my age, I can, I'm going to a climbing gym now, which is like <laughs> such like things filled with 20-year-olds doing it. But anyway, um, what, what, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no age limit on bouldering i've never bouldered no. a day in my life i'm a i'm a hiker and, i like rugged and you stuff, live in denver what are you I doing know. i'm not gonna climb a, the side of a mountain i'll walk up and go look at this guy yep he's having fun uh <laughs> but come out to denver i'll take you hiking um no like what what helps you decompress man like when you've had a long day of writing and or if you're working on set and you have an hour to try to relax what helps you kind of get down a little bit well, I'd like to say just staying staying active um, has helped loosen, you know, lo- loosen the body a little bit. You know, I've gotten back to doing yoga at least once a week. That has both remedied any kind of injury that I might have occurred earlier in the week on something else, um, but actually keeps you sort of grounded with your bare feet, you know, just yeah. on the ground. Um I did. I, I, so I think this is related, but I, I was hanging out with one of my friends who's an actor. I've done some movies, two movies with, and I was fried after doing, you know, all my life, which was right after I'd done Human Capital and We Some of the Darkness that were basically finished and finishing in post simultaneous, just based on how things had sh- shook out. And um, he was like, oh, you really need to like creatively recharge, you know, and, and, and it's true. I was at, I feel like as a director, I was at the, the top of certain parts of my, my, my craft yet. Like I was like starting to touch on a new level of, of directing for myself. Um, but I definitely needed some time to like take in art and take in books and just look around at what other people were were making and stuff. And so I've been pretty good over the last year of just reading a little bit more in various ways and watching a whole array of kinds of movies from world cinema, Criterion Collection, and 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 just reminding yourself of all the different ways that things are possible. Because I think there's there's always this sort of like repeat thing that happens where people somehow have like figured out where your stuff falls in and out of what is valuable at the moment. And you're like, you know, it's good to just be reminded of, you know, what is all possible with cinema, you know, um, and, and, and not get so locked into formulas and tropes. There's a few tropes right now that are just, you know, irking me a little bit on television. (laughs) like um one is like so many main characters are like they got a drug problem you know that explains their torture they're either a drinker or a recovering addict it's like can we have it's like (laughs) well why is every character have like a it's either i mean because tropes work but i feel like you know 
uh, it's a little bit too easy sometimes, I feel, to yeah. give pathos to a character because they're recovering <laughs> from their pill addiction or, or they're recovering from their alcohol addiction or they're, you know, there's other ways to really dig deeper into, um, to also explore the human psyche um, and, and, and uh, explain their inner conflicts in a way that's not because of substance abuse. It almost feels like an easy way to tag on so that someone could be brooding and tortured there's other ways of do, doing that. You, you know, our it's, parents fuck us up. Our parents fuck us up too. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he starts with that. Good, and that's then a go, good trope. Yeah. yeah. Like, Oh, his, his, his dad was an abuser. So he hit the bottle. I'm like, just leave it at abuser, man. We don't need the bottle for this one. There's 10 other shows that have that right now. There's but, a lot of, there's a lot of alcoholism yeah. explaining their, torture and they're great shows i've yeah. you know love them but it, it it does feel like a a pattern that makes people feel satisfied that it it must be working um you know yeah no i'm i'm completely on board with that half the stuff i watch i'll watch the pilot and then i'll see where that's going and go eh, all right I'm, i think i'm good uh i can there's move on to so, the next thing there's so much good tv on right now i yeah. um i did start writing this year a list of what i've been watching because i was i got annoyed that i couldn't remember what i watched a <laughs> month or two prior oh man you know it's like oh what was that other movie and i couldn't remember the title but it was this thing and and i didn't then like to spend the time to try to like remind myself digging through my phone to kind of remember which app i which streamer i saw it on <laughs> so i started taking a log of all the different things i've been watching but also by doing that i get to see that i'm watching things in a certain pattern now I, it's time to like like i was watching a couple movies and some good mini series and i was like you know what i haven't seen jackass forever i should see that and like refresh <laughs> refresh this thing before it, my viewing starts to look too snobby you know well but, yeah when you oh, start I to should... like, like what's what are the top five things you have on your log or i guess not top five the most what recent are, yeah, what are the most recent things? Oh, we just finished watching The Bear. That beyond the alcoholism and the suicide and stuff, I thought it was, you know, even with that, I thought it was extraordinary. Absolutely. Um, and I had heard that there's this monologue close to the end that was incredible. So I was like, I, I don't want to um, not get to that. I want to see where this is headed. And I just thought it was great. I'm a huge fan of, I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll um, destroy his name but his his first name is hero he's also the director one of the producers on uh, atlanta which is one of my favorite oh, favorite shows yeah. um and he was associated with the show bear as well i so i just will watch anything he does because he was also um associated with one of my favorite things this year which was um uh oh god i've watched so much since that's crazy um where where did it go? Where did it go? The uh, Station Eleven. Oh, I haven't I've been checking that out. Station Eleven. God, I've watched so many things since, but <laughs> I just for whatever reason that year, this year, I for me, I just I absolutely loved Station Eleven. Anyway, The Bear. Recently, then before that, I finished Severance. Yeah, started to finally get back to watching Barry, Jackass yes. Forever um taurus hacks inventing anna the square was a movie i hadn't watched 
previously. So I wanted to watch that. When I had COVID, I sat down and watched A Quiet Place and The Free Guy, Palm Springs and The Green Knight and Red Rocket. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> Red Rocket. You know, yeah. You know, there's just there's so much good stuff out there to yeah. watch. It's a great time. Yeah, it's it's the golden age of um, quality entertainment. We don't have to search too far to find something great. Just get a free trial of whatever streaming service it's on and, and <laughs> yeah. binge it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great time to be lazy and sit on a sofa. It really is. Oh, God. Yeah. Dude, yeah. After a, a long night of work, if I don't want to go to bed when I was working at the bar, I would put on an episode of Barry because it was just it would it would not lull me to sleep, but it would give me such a refresher from the day before or like that shift and go, OK. Cool. That was amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed and dream about whatever. Um, yeah. We uh, our family recently went on vacation in April to uh, Portugal, um, which was um, a nice trip, and it was nice to take my daughters in elementary school to to Europe. And the Airbnb we were staying at, uh, someone else's Netflix account was still signed in from the previous person, probably. So we just turned it on and without signing in ourselves. It was like Seinfeld came up <laughs> and we just, <laughs> we started watching Seinfeld with my daughter when we come back to the Airbnb at night. And so many of the jokes go way overhead, but she still loves it. And so it's fun to rewatch Seinfeld with a, with a kid, um, <laughs> you know, cause she thinks these adults are just big children. So, yeah. which they are. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody sitting down and watching Seinfeld with their elementary school like aged child. That's amazing. Start them young, you know. They, right. They, all the all the sex jokes go way over her head. She has no idea what they're talking about. You don't have to worry that you're going to corrupt her because, like, she has no idea what they're talking about. But when Kramer comes on and trips on something, she loves it. You know. So, it. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's also very fun to try to explain in an appropriate way what's going on in the show to a kid that doesn't understand half oh, of the yeah. jokes because you're then trying to explain she's like wait does, is george gonna get the job or did he have the job is he fired i was like well yeah he did because this <laughs> but don't worry about that you know it just it's it's good tell it's great television Oh, I, I was so thankful when they put that on Netflix. Like, cool. That's because that was always a background show to have because you'd seen every episode. But to have it, you know, playing yeah. hours on end if you're like cleaning. The house. It's great to revisit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing, yeah. man. I, what are you um, working on? What are you working on next? Are you just doing the grind? I, trying to get Right now, it's a, it's a mix of both. Like for, for this podcast, I haven't talked about it a whole lot on the recordings, but I'm trying to get it to a point where I can utilize this as another job at some point and you know hopefully gain a studio and and just because I, I just love talking to people who work in this industry it's, it's just so much fun networking um so obviously doing this getting some live streams together that uh i'm hoping go pretty well uh right now i'm just waiting on a couple commercials that i booked i'm working on a uh, tv series with my co-writer and mentor that we sent to the sundance lab so we're gonna wait till what mid-September to see if uh, we got close and um, right. revisiting a web series I made two years ago, but uh, now it's pivoting almost like an anthology to the uh, the restaurant industry, the service industry. So uh, it started out right. with people who are, you know, on antidepressants and like manic medication. 
And now it's people who work in service during COVID and absolutely <laughs> just hate their jobs, but love seeing how stupid people are. Um, so yeah, working on that and just sending in self tapes like crazy, man. Uh, it's been a huge boom this last month for, for actors and for casting agencies. So I don't know. It's the world is, uh, is open to a lot of possibilities right now. Well, that's amazing. And, and as I said to you before we started recording, my hat goes off to you for starting a podcast and consistently keeping up with it and the effort it takes to, to, to reach out to strangers and be like, Hey, you want to jump on this thing? And, and I've listened to a few of yours and it, it's, you know, congratulations on what you're doing. Cause it, it takes a lot of effort and commitment. And I think it, obviously you're doing a great job and um, you're not living in a van down by the river either. So <laughs> you must be doing something right. Right. No, but next time, and, and thank you so much for saying that, but next time I talk to you, cause I'm sure I'm going to talk to you again, I will dress up like, God, I can't remember his name now. Um, something, something motivational speaker. Damn it. The oh, listeners are going right. to light me up for this. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's, I appreciate it, man. This has been something that, uh, you know, when COVID was fully rampant, we weren't working at all. This is what kept me uh, sane and just talked to my friends and now I'm meeting new friends and new people. And it's just been, it's been fantastic. And I, awesome. uh, I, I don't know. I just had so much fun talking with you. Like you and Alan, you guys have been the easiest to sit down with. It's just, <laughs> it's like, it's just two, two guys talking. It's the easiest thing ever. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get Alan to open up sometimes, you know? But yeah, yeah. Guess you did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I told him afterwards. Like, yeah, after about five minutes, man, you were an open book. And he goes, "Yeah, I, I get, uh, I'm, you know, kind of preserved at some point." I'm like, "Nah, I'll get it out of uh, you." <laughs> he's great. I, I, yeah, I, I love him, and and um, he's one of those characters where I feel like if I, I wanted to just talk to a film friend after I saw a movie, I could just call him up. Also, because I'm on the East Coast, so I know even if I saw a late movie, he'd still, it's he'd not still late for him. <laughs> still be out. I remember I once like saw, I think it was like Jordan Peele's last film and I was walking home and I was like, have you seen, what, what was the last one? Uh, was, uh, Us. Us, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, have you seen this? Like, what What was that? <laughs> like, I wanted to like uh, chat, chat with him. He's a great guy to talk cinema with, which is one of my favorite things to do. Oh yeah. He's awesome. And, and you're awesome, man. I, I, I'm so glad that uh, we made, made this work. We we're able to sit down for a little bit. I, I will wrap it up a little bit. Cause like we did beat Alan's time. Uh, Alan, you, yes! you lost, you lost on this one, dude, but I, I have one, no, I have two more things for you. One, if you can tell us <laughs> what you have coming up and then two, we'll do the awkward goodbye, which you may have heard before, but let's start with the, with the shout outs. Do you have anything you want to promote with this episode? Maybe it's an organization, a charity, something you've been working on, something coming up, like anything of note that you want to put out there? I mean, I have a few projects, the titles unknown to, you know, random listeners that are various stories. So I guess we'll just, you know, circle back. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram when I, I don't know, brag about something. But in the meantime, <laughs> I've kind of, um, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for these next this next chapter of of uh, you know stuff to be working on a, a, like a, a war film that's kind of a stoner movie, <laughs> a but, kids book, um, and um, and we'll see. We'll see where things take me. You know, I'm always hoping that I fall in love with a script the way I did with 
all my life and we summon the darkness and human capital, you know, they're all so different and um, looking forward to finding those stories. And again, soon. Um, that's the, that's the vague, elusive and non-answer, you know, <laughs> it's very heavy yeah. on the stay tuned, but you should give me a follow. So you'll, you'll be the yeah, first. to be, to be continued. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I will thank you again before we we stop this recording. I won't kick you out of the meeting or anything. We're just going to stop recording after this, but this is my, my favorite part, dude. It's the awkward goodbye where uh, I will give you, you've seen Wayne's world, obviously, right? Yeah. A while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> a yeah. While, I'll give you the uh, silent cameraman countdown from three, two, one. Then when I point to you, give me your best verbal awkward goodbye. I think you're uh, you got something awkward in the chamber. Uh, all right. <laughs> Are you ready? Good goodbye. Here we got we got to we got to do it first, right? Are you gonna count down first? I'm gonna count down first. In three, two, one. Okay. I'll see you later.